been in the middle of a series called Family Talk, and you see that it's the values we share and why we should care. We've been all over the place with this, haven't we? Last week, we talked about relationships. How many of you guys enjoyed that relationships talk? I totally did. Fell in love with Kara yet once again. It's great. No, we had a wonderful time just getting to share our lives with you guys, and Anthony did a great job helping to moderate, moderate that, but also just share his own life in, in instances too, because he's been through a lot. We've all been through a lot. If you are alive on earth, you've been through some things, all right? So we've been through relationships. We talked about stewardship. Uh, everything is God's, right? We know that. Everything is his. So everything we get, we're willing to give back to him, 100%, you know, is, is his, right? We've talked about, you know, someone like Nicodemus, remember him? We talked about him some, and, and what he said, what must I do to be born again? And, and Jesus was, was so emphatic about follow me, make sure that you become official, you know, all those kinds of things, you know, about what it takes to make disciples was then after that. So we've been all over the place, haven't we? Today, we are going to camp on what's called intimacy, intimacy. And uh, when thinking about and praying about today, uh, I I was kind of like, where do we go next? Anybody ever feel that way in life? What do I do next, okay? And it's so important when we talk about communicating the word of God to folks is is where do we go next and what what do folks need to hear? And when we think about a word like intimacy, a lot of things come to mind, don't they? We just finished a relationships talk, right? Naturally, our mind goes to physical things and things like that. But if we truly define intimacy, okay, and we're going to define it more as to what the word says and how that applies to our lives. But when we think about intimacy, intimacy is closeness, togetherness, affinity, attachment, friendliness, friendship, affection, warmth, and confidence. You can think about that when you have an intimate relationship with someone. You can see those things present. Dictionary.com showing a close union or combination of particles or elements, right? You can see that. An intimate mixture, you know? An intimate mixture. And you can see that as if someone were to, to I used to love doing this because I grew up watching my dad do it. He would take apple juice and orange juice, you know, and he'd pour one part in and one part in and I'd watch it just blend together. And then after the fact, why are you making the face? It was an intimate, most decadent, amazing. You're like, that is so simple. But it's the small things. It was so good. Anybody else? Nobody likes that? Well, I just lost you. You're intimately gone, Okay. <laughs> But being intimate, this is important, requires us mixing our lives, doesn't it? Mixing our lives with God, but also mixing our lives with others. You know, it's so important. Erwin Raphael McManus, you may have heard his name before, but our souls crave intimacy. Think about it. Our souls crave intimacy. And it actually means intimacy, you see, right? The last week... I have been so frustrated with being overwhelmed with a smartphone. Anybody ever feel that way? Wow. Okay. Okay. So nonstop push notifications, which I've turned off. Nonstop emails, which I've silenced. Okay. Nonstop things coming your way. Does anybody else feel that way? And, and all you feel is like this surfacey relationship stuff. Well, there's this new cell phone that came out, and it's called the Light phone. Has anybody seen that? Anybody seen that phone? What does this phone do? Makes calls, receives calls, and I think, I think, no, 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 doesn't even receive texts. Can you imagine a life that was that simple again? Could you live 
without your phone in that way? Could I? I don't know. But see, we desire to go deeper. We desire to go further. We desire to be in a a total different realm that we experience every single day. We want intimacy. We desire not to have surfacey relationships. Not, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? No, how are you doing today? I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Or how are you doing? I am great. Why are you great? God has done this wonderful thing in my life. Goes beyond the surface. Intimacy, we desire that. It's natural for you to desire to be close to people, but even more so, close to God. Your soul craves intimacy with him. And this is so important. So how do we know God wants to be intimate with us? How do you know that God wants to be intimate with you? Because you know, sometimes we don't think we're good enough. Sometimes we don't think that we've done enough. Sometimes we don't think that we came from the right stock, if you will. Sometimes we don't think that we're qualified enough for God to desire us. You ever felt that way? We all have. But God desires to be intimate with us. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill, kill and destroy. Kill over, he'll die too. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. See, God sent his only begotten son to this world so that our lives would be full. Full. Have you ever felt empty? You ever felt surfacy? You ever felt like there was no intimacy? He came to fill us up. The devil comes, though, to disrupt and destroy anything that God desires for your life. See, God's plan is that we're full, that we're filled to overflowing with him before anything else. Think about that for a moment. We talked about it last week with relationships. We often pursue others before we pursue the one who created us, don't we? See, God wants us to be completely happy with him. We talked about it last week. Before we try to find something in someone else. Life, the highest and the best of Christ, filling us up. God proved this love for us. And this is what's so important. How do we know he wants to be intimate with us? Before we were formed in our mother's womb, I love this. He knew us, Jeremiah 1.5 and Psalm 139. Think about that. He knew you before you were in the womb. He was dreaming about your life. He was thinking about how he was going to use you even today to impact Morgantown, West Virginia or Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, if you're from up at the Woo. You know, he was thinking about how he could use you to make a difference in this world even before you made your way into your mother's womb. Does that not blow your mind? A lot of times we just sail over that stuff, don't we? We don't think that that's for us. We don't think that we're qualified enough, that we've done enough to receive that type of intimacy with God, but that's what he desires with you. We're the apple of his eye, Zechariah 2.8. I love that saying. We're the apple of his eye. I think about that with my kids. They just make me so happy when I get around them until they're fighting. But they're so happy. The girls are growing up, it's getting harder. They're so happy when I get around them. When they're not pulling each other's hair. They haven't done that yet, but this too will happen. Okay, but the apple of my eye. I would do anything for them. I have. Yesterday we were out just looking around shopping, you know, just having some fun. 
And I look at something for me, and I'm like, those are nice shoes, but eh. The kids are like, hey, I like these. I'm like, me too. You're the apple of my eye, right? But God thinks about us that way, that we are the apple of his eye. But also, he took it a step further, and we understand this as believers, that his redemption, the redemption that he gave us through Jesus, and Jesus becoming our sacrifice. I know these words are churchy, and you've heard them a lot, but Jesus gave his life for you. God wants to be intimate with you. He doesn't want to waste his son's death. He doesn't. He wants you to use the gift that he's given you so that you can first become intimate with him. So you ask yourself, say, self, say that. Thank you. Sometimes I do that. I'm like, hey, self, you know, it's getting pretty wild. What does intimacy with God look like? Isn't it kind of hard, still a far-fetched idea when you think about intimacy? Because you're like, oh, but is it doing? Is it works? Is it faith? What is, Justin, you're really confusing me right now. What does scripture say? John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Proverbs 3, 4 through 5. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. What does intimacy with God look like? Intimacy with God looks like trusting God when it doesn't seem like he's trustworthy. Has anybody here, if you have, we have another conversation to have, ever given God a high five? That's weird. I'm <laughs> of course you would be the one to be like, yeah, that's me. I gave him a high five. It's hard to trust someone we've never seen. It's hard to trust someone we've never sat down and had coffee with. It's hard to trust someone that we feel like we've never had long conversations with. It's hard to trust someone that's never, in maybe our minds, done anything for us. It's hard to trust someone that we, we haven't done life with in our minds. See, God is looking for you to do life with him, to learn to trust him, to learn to believe, to learn to acknowledge him and everything. Without this belief, the basis of it, there will be no intimacy. Does anybody else struggle with belief sometimes? I can't help it. I'm a realist. I got care over here sometimes, excited. Just, it's going to be awesome. Look, it's a great possibility. It's a great, I'm like, but baby, it's not in the books. Anybody else like that? You're just a realist. That's what we call ourselves. Other people call us pessimists. I'm a realist. <laughs> I'm a realist, baby. Anybody, any realist? Are you with me? Okay, so we're also pessimists, but we're getting there. Half full, half full, half full. That's the cup. Trust, belief is the beginning of intimacy. When you think about it in a marriage relationship, if you don't trust your spouse, you guys are in for some trouble. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. Nonstop worrying when they go out. I went to get some milk. Oh, did you? Some milk, huh? I'm going to the store. I'm going to go shopping, honey. Shopping, huh? Yes, shopping. My shoes are falling apart. You see what I'm saying? 
Trust, belief, you have to trust and believe in him before intimacy can ever take place. Intimacy with God often occurs in the places where we, most, where we trust, where we need to trust the most, from John Bloom. Intimacy with God often occurs in the places where we must trust the most. Sorry, I botched that. Where we must trust the most. That's where this intimacy begins. James 1, 2 through 4 We know this, consider it pure joy. I love this, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I love going into trials. I get so excited about trials. I love difficulty. Anybody else with me? I love difficulty. I love frustration. It just gets me jazzed in the morning. (laughs) I like to wake up, two cups of coffee. Do not mess with me. I don't need any trials right now. I need some Javalia up in my cup. Black, strong, beautiful, love it, done. Because that produces perseverance, not trials. No, trials produce perseverance, produce intimacy in this way in our lives because it's where we need him the most. It drives us back to him because where we need him the most, it produces perseverance. It produces steadfastness, and that's something we need in this life. Let that perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord, I love this, range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to do light. But do you know what I did this past week? Do you know who I am? You obviously don't know who I am and what I've done. He wants to be intimate with you. You are the apple of his eye. He cares, but he doesn't care what you've done in the past because he wipes it away and things become new. You are the object of his affection. You are the one that he wants to be intimate with. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Sometimes that's hard to hear. He loves you. You did nothing to receive it. He loves you, and he wants to be intimate with you. Intimacy with God looks like perseverance and obedience on our part. See, intimacy with God is a two-way street. I had a friend the other day. He's like, where have you been? And I said, hey, you know, the road goes both ways, bro. Right? He's like, yeah, you're right. See, intimacy with God is the same way. It's a two-way street, but it looks like this, God moving toward us through sacrifice and then us moving toward God in our obedience. Sacrifice and obedience. So we had to set the stage a little bit for what intimacy looks like, right? But I want us to, to see what happens after intimacy is established within our lives between us and God. And that's important for us to think about. How does intimacy really truly happen within our lives? We can understand that God did his part with sending Jesus. The sacrifice, we can see it, we can understand it, we can look at it and say, that was for me. However, the question that challenges me most, and this word is so big, sustainability. How do we sustain intimacy with God? You think about it in relationships that we have here on earth. How is intimacy sustained in those relationships? See, I can tell you the truth. I can be riding in the car with Kara, not saying a single thing, and we are so intimate in that moment, it's crazy. But you're supposed to 
Be fruitful and multiply, bruh. It's the, the fruitful multiplication process that makes you intimate. No. It's the moments when you're just together knowing who you are in the relationship and who he is to you. See, intimacy is so, how do we sustain that? Because we get so excited. How many of you guys, let's, let's take a little test. Who's given your heart to the Lord or maybe rededicated your life in the last year? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of us, okay? All right? How about in the last six months? Raise your hand. Okay, it's fine. This is a good, okay, there you go. I see that hand, little man. That's awesome. Three months, anybody? Okay. Wasn't it so exciting in the beginning? <gasps> I'm so pumped. Jesus saved me. Oh, do you remember that? What changed? What changed? How did the joy of your salvation change? There was no intimacy after the fact. We can make decisions, because that's what it is. It's a decision to follow him. But if there's no intimacy after the fact, that will not sustain itself. You can't go from one high to the next. A lot of times we come to church and we're like, yes, Sunday. And then we get to Monday and we're like, and then we're like, Monday, Sunday's coming. Intimacy is not something that happens on Sunday in church. Intimacy is sustained with God at all times in everything. So how, how did God want us to see this sustained in our lives? How did God want this intimacy to be sustained? Well, we see this, this background of Jesus' teaching, okay, in the book of John. He's teaching his disciples privately, which I think is so important because he's leaning into his disciples during this time because he wants to make sure that they know, that they know what's really going to happen because these are the folks that was hanging out with him and doing life with him and doing ministry with him. So we see that in chapter 13 in the book of John that he starts to speak with his disciples about things that are so important for them to get, Okay? He starts by washing their feet, the act of servanthood. <sighs> Bless you, Jesus. He starts with showing them that servanthood and love for each other is the most important thing. We see that in John 13, 34 through 35. He says also, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you think love's kind of important here? Love. He speaks, as he goes on, of his betrayal. He speaks of his betrayal that will come and becomes troubled, having to leave his friends, who he's done life with. Jesus loved his disciples. We see Jesus talk about how he's going to go to the cross and to heaven, and we see Peter in true Peter fashion say that he'll lay down his life for Jesus, only to deny him later. Three times. We see these things begin to unfold. We see John 14, 6, and 12 that Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through me. And he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. That's always perplexed me. Greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. How is he going to sustain us? How is he going to do greater things through us than he did on this earth? How is this going to happen? John 14, 15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commands. What was that? To love one another. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, a helper, okay? A helper to be with you. It's important. To be 
with you. Jesus, you're leaving, the disciples are saying. Why are you leaving us? This is a great thing we have going here. Look at this man. People are getting saved. They're finding God. They're getting healed. They're getting fed. All this miraculous stuff is happening. You're going to leave now? Listen, he said, I will still be with you. Listen, the spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him, world, not word, sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. How many times have you read that in your life and just breezed through it? We've never given God a high five. We've never shook hands with Jesus and walked with him. But yet he says he's going to be with us. He's going to help us. He's going to send an advocate, a counselor, a guide, someone that's going to be with us. He will not leave you as an orphan. He will sustain you. He will feed you. He will slide that food across the table, if you will. He will spiritually uphold you. And on that day, hopefully that's today, you will realize, listen to this, that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and that I am. Amen, you, that his Holy Spirit is in you. Intimacy. His Holy Spirit resides in you. Intimacy. At the point of salvation, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit begin to reside within your life. And we see it. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and this one that Jesus said he's going to give us to live in us, that's going to be with us, to sustain us, to create intimacy between us and him, is going to be there in us on that day. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself. I will manifest myself to them. So we see that it is God's desire, it is Jesus' desire to manifest himself in your life, to show up, to prove his modern day intimacy with you. And how does this happen? By way of God's sweet spirit. See, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Woo! These chandeliers don't uh, swing low enough for what I grew up in, Okay? And uh, anybody else that grew up in that, you know what I'm talking about. And I never heard him spoke of as a person, I shouldn't say never, not often, as a person who wanted to reside in my life and sustain me. Not just show up on Sunday, ha, but sustain me throughout the week. Wasn't taught that well to me, wasn't portrayed that well, meaning the teaching, not him as the person. It was always him as the it versus him as the person of God, the spirit of God dwelling within me richly, helping me to sustain all of life. Those tribulations, those fun times we wake up in the morning for. That's what he's there for. So what happens? What, what happens when intimacy really, really, really happens in our lives? It produces something. We see God's presence manifest to make clear or evident to the eye or the understanding, to show plainly, to prove, to put beyond doubt or question. He manifests himself 
and you. Nothing crazy about this. Not at all. Scripture. That he wants to manifest himself. So what happens? Intimacy with God comes by way of his Holy Spirit in you. And when he's in you, the fruit of God's spirit is something that comes out of us. Something that we have and something that we possess. Right now, I have and possess this water. Okay? This is mine. I have and possess it, and I am consuming it because I'm thirsty. When we think about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of God's Holy Spirit, we see that we have and possess love, number one. You see that's what he starts off with. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law, no limitation, no holdbacks whatsoever. See, when we have an intimate relationship with God, it produces things in our lives that we have or possess. Let's get scientific here. Kara and I procreated, so we have three children. Fruit. When you have an intimate relationship with God, you will bear fruit. You'll have joy. Wow. You have peace. You'll have kindness. Kindness. You'll walk down High Street and be kind to someone versus turning a blind eye to someone. You will be kind. You will be someone that represents the peace of God. You will have goodness. You will have faithfulness. When you say you're going to do something, you finish in somebody's life. You have fruit that proves God's Holy Spirit is sustaining you, that you have become intimate with him because people can see the fruit that you bear. Remember the Chiquita banana woman? Remember that up on her head? We knew exactly what was up in there, didn't we? I was like, I want some of that. That looks like apples, oranges. Mix them together. Everybody loves that. Bananas. Everything's there. When people look at your life, do they see God's sustaining spirit in you? Can they look at your life and say, they are intimately involved with someone or something. They are different. Because I watched just what happened to them at work right now. That person was straight up rude, hateful, mean, and yet they smiled back and they had joy. How does that happen? Right? They're stressed with their exams. They're over. Praise God. Can I get an amen, students? They're over. Might have been over for years, um, but they're over. And how you changed the way you handled things showed others that God's spirit is living in you and sustaining you by the way you responded by the fruit that you showed because the relationship that you have with him produced fruit produced fruit. John 14, 25 through 27. All of this I have spoken while I was still with you. Jesus is like, listen guys, I'm with you right now. Okay? And I wanted to tell you this with my mouth because here's why. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. 
I'm saying it with my mouth now, but the advocate, the one who comes alongside you, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and he's going to remind you of everything that I said to you. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He reminds us to go back to the fruit bowl on the counter and grab that joy because he's sustaining us. The Holy Spirit reminds us to go back to the fruit bowl on the counter and grab those apples. He reminds us, right? You're with me here. To go back and possess what is yours to possess. To have what is yours to have. Don't be walking around with rotten fruit because you're going to stink. People don't want to be around rotten fruit. They want to be around something that is healthy, that is well, and that brings life. And that's what Jesus said the advocate would do. He would sustain you. He would sustain you. He would fill you up when you need it. He reminds us of how we should live, that we are to live with fruit. John 15 talks about the vine and the branches, fruit that lasts. Those magic green bags that you wrap your fruit in, you ever seen that? And they last 75 years. You ever seen those? They're amazing. Makes fruit last longer. Makes fruit last longer. Apart from him, you're nothing. But with him, you have everything. You'll be able to weather every single storm because he is your sustainer. He is the Holy Spirit, God's presence in your life, sustaining you, helping you every single step of the way because of your intimacy with him. He says, love each other, and that will produce lasting fruit. Is it hard to love people sometimes? Anybody feel that way? People do you wrong. People break your heart. People frustrate you. People let you down. People can be the greatest joy. People can be the greatest compliment. People can be the greatest excitement in your life as well. When we talk about intimacy, when we talk about lasting intimacy, we also see that God's Holy Spirit also gives you things to give to others. Wasn't taught this way as either growing up in the churches that I've been involved with. We see that God shows up, that Jesus shows up, that the Holy Spirit shows up, and he's not empty-handed. You ever been to a party and you're like, oh, I should have brought something. Oh, you're looking in the car and you're like, ah, half-eaten bag of chips, that'll do. Throw it across the table. Don't do that. College students are like, there's something wrong with that? I have what, I give what I have. Um, But when we think about God's Holy Spirit showing up in our lives, we see that there's, there's fruit that is produced that we have and that we possess that's for us to have and to display But then we also see that he wants to manifest himself and give us gifts to share with others. Not just for you. Everything is not just for you to feel good in life. You're in the body of believers to encourage that body and to build it up. So where we're going to end today is with this. Worship team, you can make your way up and get ready. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Again, I typically only heard part of this verse preached as a child. But let's go to the full context. Now to each one, the manifestation. 
Think about that. The proof, the showing up, the physical example of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is what I want us to get at today as we conclude this time together. Given for the common good. God's desire is that our body would not be fractured or broken, but pulled together. That we're operating with fruit in our lives, but yet we're giving gifts to others as God determines. For the common good that he would manifest, exhibit these things. So wisdom, wisdom. See, a lot of times we don't feel like that God's given us anything, that we don't have anything to give. You know, yeah, I'm showing fruit. I've got some joy, some peace, some kindness, some patience, stuff like that. But I don't feel like I have anything else. I feel like there's no tools in the belt for me to work. I feel like I don't have anything to give. You may not right now. But God is the one who determines how to give these gifts to you. So do you think you may have some wisdom? Maybe. Do you think that maybe sometimes or sometime God could move through your life with wisdom, which is skill, insight, or intelligence? A lot of times we fail to define these things, so we fail to understand these things. Do you think that sometimes God could gift you with knowledge to share with your body of believers that are around you or even your coworkers? Maybe you have some knowledge about something, right, which is experientially know something or the application of it. Or maybe that God could gift you with faith, Like how Kara and I are sitting and talking, and I'm like, half empty, baby. Just a realist. Sweetheart, just a realist. You're a pessimist, and you need to get saved, son. Okay, but maybe you have the gift of faith sometimes to give to someone else, okay, so that they can believe again that something may be able to change in their lives too. But are you open to it? Maybe... You had this opportunity that you, 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 you walk over to somebody and they say, look, this is hurting on me. You know what? Let's pray together. Because I believe that God at this moment, I, I don't have the gift of healing that I just run around, boom, 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 boom. I don't have that. But I have heard of times where I've just simply placed a hand on somebody's shoulder, God healed their back, and all of a sudden, he's like, man, that was weird. Like, yeah, it was. It wasn't me. But God can flow through you. At any point in time. How about miracles? The power of God displayed. That can happen. Why do we always like try to strangle out the one person that Jesus said he would send us to help us? Because we don't understand him. Because we're scared of what he could do, you know? That, that ooh, that's, I don't know, if, if, if God heals someone as I pray for them, then That'd be scary for me because then everybody's going to come to me like, no, no, don't. Let God be God. Let his Holy Spirit be sovereign. Don't put him in a corner. Don't put him in a box. 
You're like, I don't have all the good things in my life that he wants to, you know, qualify me through. I've never done enough. I haven't been, I've never been on a mission trip. How can I be qualified to, to be part of medical missions? I've never done it. You see what I mean? He says prophecy. That's a scary word, isn't it? Because we've seen some crazy stuff. We really define it's revealed truth right now. Speaking the revealed truth, the word of God. Distinguishing, which is discernment. Guys, we got to be able to distinguish between the spirits that are around us. Sometimes you feel like, man, that's a really good person. Something's different. Or sometimes you're like, just don't have a good feeling. That's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're being judgmental, but sometimes it's the Holy Spirit helping you to discern what's right or wrong. Nothing fruit loopy about that. That's where it gets fun. Speaking in tongues. What are tongues? Other languages. That's what happened at Pentecost. These folks were like, he's speaking my language. That's weird. A sign for them to believe that day. An interpretation of these languages. Not word for word, but the equivalent meaning. If that happens in a service, it's supposed to be that way. If not, someone's out of line, and I'll be the first one to tell them they're out of line. Trust me. Because nobody's messing with my Holy Spirit. You know how he sustained me? What he's helped me through? Don't make him look like a circus freak. I'm not trying to be him, you know, just seen a lot. He's so sweet. He's Jesus. How Jesus lived is how the Holy Spirit is in me. He's not scary. He's comforting. He's not overwhelming. He's assuring. He doesn't freak me out. He makes me feel like I'm at home wherever I'm at. Because there's intimacy. It's just scripture. Paul was trying to help the church of Corinth to even understand this. You guys are so caught up on this stuff for you. It's meant for the edification of the body. It ain't about you. It's about us. It's always about the advancement of the gospel moving forward through you. Greater things. Greater things. Greater things. Us. Sheer numbers. Going out. Understanding that we have His Holy Spirit in us. Praying for the sick that they may be healed. Speaking the word of God. Prophecy over people's lives. Revealed truth. There's nothing crazy about that. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. It's just Him. And it's sharing Him. See, He wants you. He wants you to have fruit, but He wants you to share Him with others. And He desires to do that through the gifts and how He enables you to help others. You may have wisdom. You may have knowledge that others don't. We need that in the church. I need that as your pastor. Whoo! It's hard. It ain't about me. It's about us. It's about us. It's about the family. It's about the edification and the building up of the church so that we can go out unified, gifted people to reach this world. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It was hard to put this together in my heart because of all that I've seen and been through. But when you take scripture for what it is, what God said, how Jesus spoke, 
how the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul. It's not that hard. We just have to trust. We just have to obey and let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in your life. Let him be the advocate. Why are you fighting the advocate? He's fighting for you. Let him be who he is. He's not an it. He's a he. Triune God. All right? So I want to challenge you this morning. In closing, to do me this favor. Ask yourself the question that I have to ask myself often. Holy Spirit, do I allow you to live well in me? Do I come into this situation jaded by what I've experienced? Do I come into this situation overwhelmed by what I've seen? Do do I come into this experience with lack of knowledge, which sometimes turns to a lack of desire? Help me. God, help me, Holy Spirit, just to be real and allow you to be real through me. So before we sing this morning, one last song, take a moment where you're at and ask yourself that. Do I have fruit in my life? Have I seen him even use me through gifts sometimes? But do I even know that he wants to be intimate with me? Because if you don't know that, that's the first step. Knowing that he desires to be with you and that he wants to be intimate with you. So God, we ask ourselves that question first. Given the understanding that you sent your only begotten son to this earth to die for our sins, to fill the gap, to bring us back to you, to build the bridge. Given that information and understanding, do we believe, do we believe you want to be intimate with us do we believe do we desire more of your Holy Spirit in our lives and more of your fruit do we desire to give to others out of that fruitfulness in our lives or will we throw you out Holy Spirit like the baby with the bath water let us change you from the forgotten God our hearts to what Jesus intended as he left the advocate the one who comes alongside the one who lives inside the one who is with us all the time so this morning we make the decision to follow you we make the decision to believe and trust and allow you Holy Spirit to be sovereign within Thank you. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.